Welcome to another interesting podcast episode. I have a very, very special guest today. A guy who uh, is presently finding himself in a in an interesting place in life. Dave Hubbard, how are you? I'm wonderful, Josh. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm really good, and uh, I think the listener needs to understand why I said an interesting place in life. Where are you right now? I'm in Budapest. In Hungary, just a few days ago, I picked up my residency card so I could stay longer than a normal U.S. citizen could stay in Mm -hmm. Europe. I've been here three months in Europe, so I needed to solve how to stay longer, and I'm going to be here throughout at least part of the winter. Okay, and so why Budapest? Well, my lovely fiancé lives here, and we had a process to get a visa for mm-hmm. her to enter the United States. That took about seven or eight months. Wow. And uh, it, it concluded yesterday. We just uh, She just had her interview at the U.S. Embassy, and the consulate uh, approved of her visa. So now we can start planning. Uh, our, <laughs> life will, uh, our life together will begin in Hawaii as far as uh, that's where we'll get married and that's where we'll... Uh, live full time, but yeah, for the for the time being, I'm I'm here and we're uh, we're enjoying Budapest. Good stuff. I started to chuckle there because you were about to say, and we're planning our. And I was like, escape? Uh, no, but it's actually a life. You're planning a life, and that's gonna get you over to Hawaii soon. So, good news. I mean, how is Budapest as a place to hang out in? What are some of the things um, that the listener can maybe look forward to if they were to go and visit Budapest? Well, it is a, a very beautiful city. It's, I've heard, uh, I've heard. It's, it's in kind of central Europe, so it, it, it's kind of connecting a few different areas or regions of Europe. It's mm. got its own language, which mm. is totally different than anything probably you've ever heard. Mm. So that's exotic, but there's <laughs> a lot of um, Gothic uh, architecture. With yeah and historical of course mm-hmm. um and it's it's a one of the cities along the danube river yes so it's got a river running right through it which uh kind of i would say enhances a city uh landscape if they've got a, a beautiful river running right through it and it's it's pretty yeah it's it's cool the people are really nice too and uh, quite a few people speak english because not many if any foreigners speak hungarian yeah, it's not a language I've ever really come across uh, to learn, and um, I do understand. I spend a fair bit of time myself up in Finland, which has its own very exotic okay. uh, language, as you so aptly uh, put. The uh-huh. uh, <laughs> it uh, it is an interesting thing. I mean, how? Um, so you and I last saw each other in uh, Nazare, actually. I think was yeah. the last time we were we were hanging out and uh, doing our boogie thing. Um, have you 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 competed in that event there, and you, and I've got to say you put in a ter- like a really impressive showing in that event um, for a guy Thank that you. took a year off essentially, or <laughs> kind of didn't compete that year. So you were pretty right. lethal. Um, did you enjoy yourself in that in that moment? Oh, certainly. Yeah, it was it was terrific to get um, back onto the world stage. Of course, I had uh, just competed at Sintra in the men's, but yeah, besides. Sintra haven't competed, I don't think, internationally, 
yeah, maybe all for sure all year. Mm. So super cool to get a jersey on. Super cool to go out and get a ten in one of my heats. You did, um, yeah, you did. And I especially, I really enjoyed actually coming all the way from round one, heat one. <laughs> yeah, I <think> of, <laughs> it was. <laughs> and yeah. and that was a cool journey. You know, that was something different I hadn't experienced in probably since entering pipe when I was eighteen. Wow. Or, you know, something for a really long time where I had no seating coming in mm. and just had to to knock it out with, with the rest of the gang, which I have respect for, you know, pretty much all bodyboarders who are who are giving it a run. Mm. And I don't feel in any way that I'm superior. So I was even honored to be in heats in the trials. And um, yeah, it, it was a it was a super cool experience and culminating uh with jerry's win just mm-hmm. being there on the final day being able to support not only tanner who is one of my fellow countrymen uh somebody i've been a part of his bodyboarding since he <laughs> started but... since he was born or something you know <laughs> yeah. him, him and jerry in the final mm. um you know i'm i'm sure people on the beach were confused why i was running next to each of them <laughs> to the beach like wait I thought he was with the other guy, but yeah, exactly. now he's with this guy. You know, I just so stoked to offer my support to both those guys, which was an amazing moment in both of their careers. Mm, yeah, it was an intense day, and I, I think um, it was a real pleasure to have you back there with us um, <laughs> because, you know, yeah, you you certainly – I get told that I add a certain element to the APB tour with my involvement. You do. You do. <laughs> and, um, but you certainly add your element, uh, which is uh, a pleasure to be around as well. So – um, on the on this um, competitive question, you know, we you've had a big year off. I mean, did you miss competition, or is this kind of something that's kind of changed for you now? Are you moving into a new kind of phase of the career? You could say. Uh, that's interesting, and it could be it could be a bit of both. You know, I definitely feel that uh, it doesn't have the same uh, priority in my life as mm-hmm. it once did. You know. Um, at the same time, being at Nazare and at the competitions that I've done since then, both in the Canary Islands, Fronton King, as well mm. as the El Camal class, you know, I actually had quite a competitive run the last several you, you months. You did, actually. Yeah, yeah, you totally did. And it was kind of like, yeah, I took the year off from the world tour, but still competing on the world stage, so to mm. speak. Yep. And it was kind of, kind of in that. Yeah, it's an interesting question because I, I guess I would say that I'm just open mm. to to what's next. And I'm not really forcing, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to compete and try to go for world title. Or I'm not going to mm. do the the former. It's I'm just kind of open to, hey, <laughs> I love hanging out with bodyboarders, mm. trying to shoot my stuff in a competition. That's cool too. Mm. And uh bringing value to my brand whatever whatever is a piece of the puzzle hey if i get the opportunity and it works out let's do it that sounds pretty radical to me it sounds um sounds like a pretty balanced approach to the whole bodyboarding career or experience yeah and i think it's it's not easy to to be able to have that balanced approach as far as most uh, endorsement agreements are based off of performance expectations. Mm. So you're kind of locked into your mindset or your goals for for a year, a yeah. calendar year, let's say. And so, 
you offer to the to the company that hey I'm gonna do this for you this mm. is my plan here and so you it's what you're gonna do and yeah. so yeah it, it's a unique place for me I haven't really been here much before if not ever in my career that it's kind of like of course with hubboards they allow me to do whatever I want it seems so. Mm. Since I'm a part of that. <laughs> I was going to say, are you, are you just agreeing with yourself when you make decisions? Because this was one of the um, the questions I guess um, I had about this, yeah, being, hey, a, being a brand owner uh, is a new thing for you as well, right? Yeah, and it's it's been a super exciting journey with, with my brother Jeff. It's been something I feel that's brought us both a bit closer. Mm. And yeah, it's something like, it really is kind of crystallizing our passion for the sport as far as we get to continue doing what we love to do, mm-hmm. do it in a certain way, what appeals to us, what we feel is best, not only for us, but for the brand mm-hmm. and develop products that not only suit our needs, but mm-hmm. the needs of the industry. And so it's like perfect, you know, because part of that whole equation is, we just want to be a part of the sport and do what's good for the for the sport. Mm, totally, totally. And, and hey, if all of what obviously said is good for the sport, and it is running a business, what can be beneficial as a career move? Yeah, sounds like a win-win. Did Dave Hubbard just say win-win? Because what he should have said was win-win-win. Right now, to celebrate this episode of. The Laboogie Podcast. Hub Boards would like to give you, the listener, a little treat. The treat is a good old discount on a pair of dub fins. All you need to do to claim this discount, which is around about 30% off, not bad, not bad, is you need to go to www.hubboards.com and when you're checking out, use the promo code Laboogie, all lowercase, L E B. Double O G I E, and you will get yourself a nice old discount on the dub fins. Big thanks to Hubboards for uh, looking after everyone in this podcast episode, and let's get back on to the show. How has the transition been to to being a part of a business as opposed to a, a sponsored writer? And I guess the the follow on question onto that is: uh, Has it been hard to adjust to this uh, type of approach at all? I think the biggest step was that leap of faith, leaving you know that kind of a nest, mm. if you will, of support base where. Mm. You've got a contract that's somebody else paying your bills. Mm. And then taking that step out and saying, okay, well, I can still pay myself, but I'm going to have to make a company that can achieve that kind of a thing. Mm. And I think that was the biggest step, just kind of wrapping my head around leaving that safety net. Yeah. And, you know, since then, there's certainly been numerous obstacles or challenges Mm -hmm. that i wouldn't face as a writer some some things where i wouldn't even have to consider Mm. uh, a decision but uh, being in the position of power in the brand okay we have a decision to make let's go about it in the best way possible for all parties but 
executing it on behalf of the company. So mm. the company take uh, the priority as far as what's best for the brand there. Mm. So there has been those challenges and usually occasionally they're uncomfortable to make, but so is life at times, mm -hmm. but it has been exciting and it has been good for growth. I feel for uh, me personally, but also for relationships with my brother and business relationships, etc. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And I mean, uh, it seemed like obviously you, you mentioned your support of Tanner during that final with Jerry and that you were supporting both of them. And that is part of the support is the reason, I mean, you probably would have been happy for Jerry as well, but he, he was your kind of new rider on the team uh, this year. And, and is he kind of like, I, I don't want to do any disservice to any other Hubboards riders, but is that your kind of first big marquee rider you would say on the brand? Yeah, definitely. Mm. You know, um, you know, we've got, of course, like you said, tons of talented riders who Jeff and I are just thrilled that they want to be a part of our yeah. brand. And then there's Jerry. And I do think it's a kind of a different level because he requires a different level of support because yeah. of the value he's bringing to the company. Um, add along to that the just crazy talent and writing and professionalism yeah. that he that he is who he is mm. and add again to that, that he's a super good close friend of mine and as well as of my brother, Jeff. So yeah. he is totally on his own level as far as a writer of ours. And yeah, super exciting to, to get to that stage, you know, even from the conception of the brand, Jeff yeah. and I knew that, was going to be a part of our path as a brand to at some point bring somebody else on because uh, we haven't found the fountain of youth, although it may look like it at times. It, it, I tell you, it does. <laughs> so we didn't find Ponce de Leon's fountain. <laughs> so we are going to continue to age. Yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, inevitable. The career path is going to follow that arc of age <laughs> and so you know at some point for us to stay relevant in the industry uh we we sh should be bringing on other riders and at some point bringing on big riders or riders that uh require a different level of compensation than uh, the ambassadors and sure. that's that's where we arrived this year with the opportunity with um with jerry and i've got to say i mean how about that for like timing on the hub boards part? I got like you know it it kind of blew my mind when you, you, I was in uh, I was in Ikea with Jerry before um before the Eureka competition and you know that was when he was riding the hub boards but no one knew and I was like oh wow this is this is cool like I was like that's great that you're jumping in with those those hubs and and you know it was a really positive thing and he was really frothing on the on the move for him and quite excited. Mm. And yeah. and then he goes on to put in the performance of a, you know, it was one of the best performances to to witness, and and it was so intense on that beach, you know, like in Nazare and those final moments. So, I mean, fair play to you guys. Um, it seems like it was a really good good decision with the with with the eventuality of his uh, world title this year. Yeah, and I would. You know, regardless of his result on the tour this year, would still feel that it was 
an amazing mm. uh, move mm. uh, for, for both parties. I hope he would feel the same. Um, and then, of course, with, with that exceptional yeah. <laughs> result, it was, yeah, just uh, solidified. Uh, the relationship was correct, you know? Mm. I feel as a, as a writer, uh, to perform at that level, you really got to be comfortable not only with your equipment, but who you're representing. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so many levels uh, mentally and everything what goes into that performance of, what was it, six or seven heats on that oh, one day. Yeah, um, yeah. It was immense. Just it was hours immense. in the water with those conditions yeah. and just his level of what he what he brought to the table. You know, he wasn't scrapping on through with fives or sixes. Nope, so, nope. <laughs> so, you know, I think that spoke volumes of where it, of of both sides of the relationship that he put on that performance, and then mm. the the brand was able to, of course, receive the the value of having the new world champion. I mm. think, uh, yeah, like you said, just kind of a pinch yourself kind of a situation where it's like, whoa, this this, this is all amazing. Like, yeah. I think this is more than anybody really bargained for, yeah. or you know, just over the top kind of a surreal kind of a thing yeah totally totally um let's come back to europe though that's um we've given jerry plenty of praise he's um he's got enough of it now we can move on from jerry and his praise <laughs> um you you've been pretty busy in europe not only um doing a few comps and getting getting into hungary and and checking checking out budapest and swimming laps in the danube uh yeah. the <laughs> You've 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 been on a, a little journey recently yourself, which was quite interesting. Um, you went to the Azores. Um, what was that all about? Let the maybe let the listener know who 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 wasn't following all the action as it happened on Instagram. Well, that was that was super cool. Um, I've been friends with a fella who lives in Sintra. He was uh, pretty much local there, although he is uh, he represents Germany, speaks German. Uh, his father is an American, so. Uh, Nick Rosner. I've been friends with him since the first time ever going to Sintra, probably 12, cool. 13 years ago. Wowzers. He, uh, yeah, over the years, he's started uh, teaching lessons, bodyboarding. Um, and then a, a few years ago, he started doing something called Boogie Trips, where he offers, you know, kind of guiding or camping or like a, a trip kind mm -hmm. of experience to not only his. Uh, students but other people who would like to join so he's been doing that for this is the third year I think him going to the Azores and since I was going to be here in Europe normally I wouldn't be here for months on end and wouldn't be here during the time frame that he mm. was going to trip I uh, thought it was a terrific opportunity to for one just go and hang out with my buddy Nick who I just love to spend time with and bodyboard with mm. and second go and explore some new islands what I've heard about and never been to mm. um, some new waves and uh, and third you know the possibility to to share my passion for bodyboarding with some uh, beginners intermediates or expert advanced riders mm -hmm. uh, meet new friends and, and hang out have a good time that's cool, and I mean, you mentioned with them with the majority of the people on that trip with you, were they from Germany themselves? Yeah, so it was like a, it was super cool. It was like a adventure tourism, a German adventure tourism with a bodyboarding focus, but of course open to to 
whoever wanted to join. Mm. But because uh, Nick speaks fluent German, um, he does have quite a few students that have come out to Portugal. Yeah. And he's given them lessons before, or they've heard about him through another student that's taken lessons, and they they plan their escape from the winter yeah, to the yeah. Escape from the winter. What what a what a great opportunity to go and do some bodyboarding along with have uh, a vacation adventure and uh, experience a new place. Yeah, totally. And so, what were your thoughts of the Azores? Um, I've, I've stopped in there once. I was in another life when I was a sailor. Um, I stopped. Yeah. I stopped there uh, twice actually doing a Atlantic crossings on a yacht, and um, and it was like that was the first land we saw yeah. for like 10 days, you know, at sea. Right. So it was kind of like, it was a pretty special place to land to. And um, yeah, sailors arriving in ports. There's more stories there, but I'm not going to share those right now. But um, the, the what did you think of the place? I thought it was quite pretty when I was there. Which island were you on, by the way? Because there's plenty uh, of them. San Miguel. San Miguel, yeah. So Ponta Delgada is the airport we flew into. And uh, we stayed at uh, Ribeira Grande, which is just on the... Uh, north side of the island and there's some yeah. cool waves around there but yeah the islands super cool um reminded me you know they had like a kind of felt like a ireland a tropical ireland almost okay, okay. So, i mean there's tons, tons of pastures so you have this really green grass pasture kind of a vibe mm-hmm. um so that kind of is ireland-esque to mm-hmm. me just for photos but mm. you know it's much more tropical as far as the uh the temperatures it's not so harsh as mm. uh as other places in europe so i mean it did feel you know i mean these are islands europe owned by portugal so i mean it did really match the genre i mean it didn't feel too far away from europe mm. i mean it, there was so many similarities of course the portuguese building everything that helps but mm. just the land also did feel a bit more European, whereas I would say that the Canary Islands, mm. even though Spanish-owned and technically in the EU, they're definitely more African. I mean, mm. they're, they're off the coast of Africa. They're more dry, and the, the landscape will sh- kind of show you those things. So mm. I did feel that Azores was a bit more European in their island style. I thought the islands were terrific really interesting really interesting and gorgeous place to go that's cool and you managed to score a few waves there was a quite a few opportunities to get some decent decent waves there i think we the apb used to have some comps maybe there a few years ago yeah Yeah, and i think um yeah there i think was at least one like a qs men's but i think there was even more recently, maybe two or three years ago, like a world tour event for women. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think those were some of the recent things. And yeah, there's there's some really cool waves there. There's some really cool bodyboarders there. Mm. And so, you know, that's just a killer recipe for having a great time, you know, meeting some locals, surfing their wave with them, and just, uh, yeah, experiencing a new place. I've ha- had a super awesome time. That's really cool. That's really cool. I, I think it's great. People kind of expand their horizons about where to visit and where to check out. So um, sounds like the Azores is – I've always kind of looked at them as a place that certainly would have decent waves and it's just a matter of finding the kind of 
the the reason or the will to just commit to going there and checking it out so it sounds like so people can actually um get in touch with boogie trips and nick to to do these is he finished for the year now is it kind of like a period of time that he usually does these and i think he's going to madeira in january i think so yeah, boogietrips.com, I'm pretty sure is his website. And he does the Azores trip annually, just yep. uh, two sessions, week apiece, but you can stay for both like some did. Yeah. And then he's doing Madeira. He also does some other ones in Portugal. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he, I would imagine, plans to kind of expand uh, as the market allows to, mm. to continue these kind of adventures because it's super fun and everybody just has a great time so mm. really is a cool thing yeah before we started recording this podcast i mean you and i were chatting a bit and yeah i think this whole travel space uh and this experience economy style stuff uh for bodyboarding is a really i think it's a really big opportunity there's a lot of guys doing some good stuff already you know hardy's yeah busy with barley bodyboarding and uh the guys at bodyboard trips i think uh, am i getting that right or bodyboard uh, it's Rob Barber and the guys there doing some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Bodyboard holidays, it is. Yeah. So um, yeah. I think it's great. I think it's great. It's really good for the sport. It kind of brings people to different places and they get to connect with other bodyboarders and build that community out, I think, is the really interesting thing that I see from it all. I, I would agree. And mm. I think, yeah, all those things are super cool. And it's a, it, it is a really cool opportunity. And it's, you know, as we kind of, evolve um the way we handle travel the way we handle our hobbies the way we interact with the other people who do these hobbies uh yeah it does seem like this is kind of a direction that uh the 21st and 22nd century are gonna kind mm. of kindle exactly exactly one of the things that um popped out at me because i was obviously following your uh following your gram which is the funniest instagram account uh, that's ever been managed because you oh. have never posted a picture uh, onto your main feed, but you have started to do some stories. And occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally. Very, very rare storytelling from Dave Hubbard uh, through his <laughs> Instagram. So if you if you get a story, you, 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 you know, you click on it. You don't skip it because this doesn't <laughs> happen all the time. So I'm going to watch this. And one of the things I watched, which was um, it was super interesting and um, something you very rarely see, um, was that you kind of shared your stoke over uh, a morning at church, and and I wanted to bring up this um this discussion around like y- you are a quite a firm uh, believer or and a and uh, you're a Christian I should just say a, a Christian, yeah. and how how does your religion um or what what role does religion play for you in your in your life? Because you looked stoked, you know. Yeah, and I I am stoked. I would I would even personally just use the word a relationship rather than uh-huh. religion, just because there's so much dust and cobwebs on that word that okay. you know, for me it's a relationship because God was so gracious to have a relationship with the living God, as mm-hmm. I understand it. And that's pretty powerful. I take it, you know, to heart. I take it seriously. I don't just uh, kind of sugarcoat it and maybe go to church sometimes. You know, I take that as, hey, this is an opportunity to 
speak with God when I pray, to listen to God, uh, whether it's through meditation or mostly through the reading of the Bible, mm-hmm. um, or whether it's listening to people preach. I listen to quite a few podcasts of uh, preaching. And yeah, that particular morning was just, uh, it was even devotion time. It wasn't, uh, I hadn't gone to church, but just uh-huh, in my okay. personal, personal morning, spend some time reading the word. That morning was in a beautiful psalm, what just kind of connected some emotions mm-hmm. to the way my relationship is with God. And yeah, that, that whole thing and why I shared it was that, you know, I just get so stoked, I think most people do, when they feel loved, mm-hmm. so, you know, to to express that, hey, God loves me, I'm feeling it, check this psalm out, maybe you'll feel it too, mm. but hey, he, he loves you too, and connect with him how how is possible, you know, I'm not going to you know, mandate uh, my beliefs onto other people or tell tell people what they have to do or not do. But mm. that was that particular story was an invitation to check out a psalm or open the Bible or just maybe even pray if they haven't done so in a while or ever mm. to, to maybe start or deepen a relationship. Mm. When did Christian? When did your relationship with uh, with with Christianity kind of kick off for you? Uh, was this something that was uh, in your family from a very young age or is this something that you came to at a, a later stage in life? This was something I had originally found in high school. Okay. Um, following my brothers to Bible study, um, then, you know, going to church and whatnot, there was – quite a few incredible watermen on Kauai mm. who were also Christians, uh, not only bodyboarders, but surfers as well. Um, of course, the whole Kauai classic team yeah. was a very uh, Christian-centered uh, team. Yeah. So there was uh, – that was part of the, the beginnings. Mm-hmm. Um once I went to college, I just threw it all out the window and went my own way, uh, but have recently, maybe about four years ago, come back to that relationship because I wasn't finding love or joy or other things in the other path I had taken. So I, I figured try the that path that I knew from high school, mm-hmm. and it's 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 been a big... Uh, a big relief uh, to me, and it's brought me a lot of joy, a lot of direction mm-hmm. too in life. Um, yeah, a lot of decisions I make, or my behaviors, or the way I interact with my fiance, and the way we plan our future together as a, a married couple. It's almost entirely based off of concepts that uh, I, I'm taught from the Bible. On this, um, this planning aspect, because I feel like uh, we all—I I mean, I'm not a Christian, and I—I'm—I'm mm-hmm. I'm not uh, I'm more a more a dabble, and I do enjoy the the messages uh, certainly, um, and I enjoy the rituals. Uh, one of my biggest criticisms of the of the world we live in today is that <clears throat> we're coming up to Christian uh, to Christmas right now, and I do feel like there's a certain um, loss 
to Christianity because there's such a huge focus on buying presents and the whole consumeristic side of it where I don't, I kind of feel sorry for Christians this time of year because their whole, it's a pretty important time uh, for the religion and it's kind of overshadowed by buying lots of stuff. Um, so So for me, I I think it's a, yeah, like it's a, a super interesting thing to look at, but what is your practical application of Christianity into your decision-making? Because I feel like people, it's really tough to make decisions. Like we all are challenged by them. So how do you, um, how do you kind of use those teachings or your relationship to, to make decisions in life? What's practical? Yeah. Killer question. And I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to for sure a a worldview. So how Mm -hmm. I, how I view the world, how I view my interaction to be with the world. And that all even boils down to what is my purpose uh-huh. here on this planet. So, I mean, you can go as deep as the, the biggest question maybe on everybody's mind since ever. Mm. Uh, widen that out to worldview. And then even that can, that can start moving into uh, what could be a little bit more practical is my intent or my motivation in, in certain activities, behaviors, relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can kind of look like, uh, the difference between maybe where I was, let's say six years ago. Okay. Is it good for me? Mm. Then yes. If, if, if not, then no. Yeah. Uh, to where I'm at, today where I try to look at things from other people's perspectives, uh, which is, that's something new. (laughs) Yeah. And it's super hard. (laughs) It's not easy for sure. So I want to, I want to see, let's just use an example of, um, like a business deal or something without bringing the brand or anything else into it. Just a, a simple negotiation would be, is this good for both parties? Um, is this fair? Mm. Uh, something like that. Whereas before I would be trying to fight for my side the whole time and mm. not concerned where the other person came off because that's their business to fight for their end. Uh-huh. And now it would be, you know, hey, I want to be fair here. I don't want to screw anyone over. Um, of course, I don't want to get screwed over either. So I'm not trying to just lay down when it comes to negotiations or uh, a relationship where there can be some friction or uh, those kinds of things. Hmm. And, and that's really changed, uh, yeah, really kind of changed my life radically. Even something as simple as that is basically, I don't want to start, sometimes it could be called wreckage. So uh-huh. I don't want to screw any wreckage or I don't want to make a mess, mm-hmm. you know? come into somebody else's backyard and make a mess mm-hmm. or their or my own yard. Um, I want to just do the right thing. And that that's kind of how that plays out as far as, of course, that's going to depend on my worldview to tell me what's the right thing mm. and gonna boil more back down to theological elements of it all but i i hope i was kind of able to answer your practice yeah 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 i think it's a super interesting um example of it and i think well i guess one of the the follow-on questions then is like it like so the the religion itself provides uh 
in I know it provides much more than this, but in this example, it was like a just kind of a decision making framework in many ways that you know you're you're more conscious um, because of the relationship you have, at least as I understand it, your relationship with Christianity or God is yeah. is 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 informing how you uh, make decisions in the in the here and now. And yep. and it's less about only you winning over another. Um, you're actually really uh, taking into consideration the the outcomes for the other in in a negotiation, for example, in in a business sense. Yep. But I imagine this comes down into your day to day in many interactions with other people, right? Yeah. So um, you know, this is shared, you know, not only in Christianity but outside as trying to bring some positivity or mm. some bring some light bring some joy tons of different words you could use for it yeah but to to others so mm. it's um it could be sharing with others that sharing could be a, a smile it could be a nice word it could be something material mm. it could be time uh just listening to somebody um who you know had a tough day or kind of needs to get something off their chest, something like that. So, you know, even in just the day-to-day, it could be finding a, a circumstance, a situation that would allow me to share something mm. positive with somebody else. Um, and that could take millions of different forms through almost any interaction that I have, whether it's uh, seeing somebody... Uh, you know, who has a lot on their, on their hands and they're Mm. trying to manage up some stairs or, you know, helping them with some of the things or whether it's uh, opening the door for somebody or, you know, I mean, those are a lot of really, really small and could be seemingly trivial things. But, um, I think those are little examples of where my intent or my motivation would be, oh, instead of just going and getting my shopping done, Mm. Maybe there's there's going to be the opportunity to help somebody, mm. and I don't think you need to have uh, a relationship with God even to feel something when you help another human. Mm. I think that can even be looked at uh, in a atheistic way that there would be value to do that, and yeah. so. You know that that really spreads spreads it out, and I think it could seem occasionally, you know, looking at somebody who has a religion or a, a, a faith, it could seem so alien that, like, whoa, you know, they do this, they do this stuff. You know, I know for me, looking at certain religions, I have respect for the uh, the discipline. Mm. You know, like Brahim Idush, for example. You know, he is. He follows Islam, and you know when Ramadan comes, yeah, he's not, he's not eating or drinking during the day. You know, that's, that's yeah, crazy. it's hardcore. It's yeah. it's impressive. So, I think from somebody looking outside of a let's say a religion or a faith, it can seem like wow, it's mm. so foreign or alien or just strange and kind of like almost weird. Mm. But you know. I, I'm personal friends with Brahim, and I just know that he just wants to be a good guy. Yeah. And this is his understanding of how he can be a good guy. 
yeah. for, for, for example, kind of just as, as a little summary, you know, so for me, it's, it might seem like, whoa, he's a Christian, so he does this or he doesn't do that. Mm. But I'm just trying to be positive and not only uh, be stoked myself, but to share that stoke with others. And I mean, that's kind of similar to most bodyboarders in a lot of ways as far as when we talk about bodyboarding. We're just stoked about it. Yeah. And we just want to share share that stoke with others, you know? like that, That's why there's people listening podcast and that's why there's people going to go and whether they're going to wax up their book and take it in the water today they might mm-hmm. even just go and hold their book, and watch <laughs> book check out their uh, ig yeah. account and uh you know they just want to share the stoke be a part of a community yeah so, I mean, there's there's so many similarities that it's really not that alien uh although it it can certainly seem that way yeah and i i think um Obviously, what you touched on there is there's a lot of community inside there and a lot of, um, I guess, just that openness to trying to do a good thing whenever you kind of set foot out the door or even inside the house. You know, it doesn't, it kind of never ends by the sounds of things, which is, I mean, it, that's a that's a fine quality to have and a, and a very fine um, motivation. Can't say I'm always great at it myself, but... Oh, um, me neither, me neither. Yeah, it's an aspiration, of course. I mean, I think exactly. most of us here want to, as you said, you don't want to really leave a mess in the backyard of others or in your own backyard. Yeah. Um, how often do would you say that you are reinforcing or practicing in terms of the literal sense you know uh reading through the bible or you know listening intently to a podcast is it something that you could break down into a daily routine is there actually a way that you yeah what is your kind of is there is there a daily routine for you when it comes to your engagement exactly yeah and it kind of neat for me personally it kind of needs to be daily because if it's not i'm gonna just put it off to the next day, the next yeah, day, the next day. So totally. you know, I personally have to be a little bit more regimented with my approach, which might start to seem very orthodox, but really <laughs> it's just for me to yeah, sure. be able to have the relationship and for it to continue. Uh, so yeah, I, I will read the Bible daily. I'll pray daily. Um, you know, if, uh, if, yeah, I do listen to a podcast pretty much every day. Mm. Uh, while I do my stretching. Uh-huh. And so those kind of things, uh, you know, morning and sometimes later and in the evening, those kind of just frame my day yep. as far as uh, at least I, I don't get too far from it. It's, mm. You know, my, my, my own thinking, my own behavior can can totally turn me into a jerk and maybe spin me out in my head and maybe get maybe I'll get upset about maybe there's some controversy or you mm. know there's any number of things but you know if I kind of have a frame around my day I don't really have too much room on the leash to mm. to, to run away and get wild and crazy you know yeah. um <laughs> and I think Certainly, if you ask my fiance Evelyn about it, you know I think she would be grateful that there is some sort of framing that <laughs> some framing around the man. Yeah, just don't go off on a tangent. Yeah. Or you know, if there is a disagreement of uh, a fight or something, you know, I really seek to reconcile that as quickly as I'm able. You know, I don't want to 
run out of the house, book a ticket, and fly away from Budapest yeah. just because we had a little tiff. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that framing, which, which is daily, does help me to to continue. And, you know, like any relationship, um, it kind of needs to be – I kind of need to tend to it regularly to experience the benefits of it. Yeah, totally. Totally, I get you. I get you. What I usually do is, um, I, I often listen to uh, Stoic philosophy. That's probably my. Um, oh wow! Yeah, that's probably what I listen to most of the time. And you know, time to time, there's, there's, but I don't have the framework or the daily framework that you do. Usually, it's like a, a thing where I, um, where I kind of, if I'm starting to feel a bit lost or if I feel like I haven't been at my best. I uh, go back to that and I, I listen to that myself. And it's, mm-hmm. I think a lot of, there's a lot of similarities in many of the messages and, mm. and it is, um it's an interesting space, but that's, that's my, how I, I guess if there was any ritual or any kind of philosophy that I try to listen to, to get me, get my head on track at times, that would be it. Mm. But um this Around. podcast, this podcast isn't about me though. It's about you. And uh, what I wanted to um ask you it's putting you on the spot a little bit but maybe you've uh, maybe you got uh, an answer to this but um for the listener for the uninitiated or someone who hasn't because i think a lot of us have had christianity if you're from the anglo-saxon world you know you 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 kind of got it in your life it's christmas now so you've got it in your life in a cultural sense um you know our, our calendars are Christian calendars essentially in in the Western world, so it's in our okay. lives. But what for the uninitiated is there a passage in the Bible, a, a, a page, a psalm? Is there one that you would point to and say, if you want to have a read of something, this is the one I recommend? In the in the broader sense, the the book or the letter to the Romans. Uh-huh. written by Paul. It's in the New Testament. It's it's not a page. It's a little bit longer of a read. Um, yeah. I would have to think a little bit specifically if you want a more condensed version, but um, maybe even just the the Beatitudes, which can be found in some of the Gospels. There were, That was Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh-huh. so to speak. Um, yeah, that Sermon on the Mount would, would be just kind of like a a cool encapsulated, I mean, that was, I think, one of Jesus's longest addresses, public addresses. Uh-huh. So, you know, if you l- want to look at his teaching, that was, that was like his, his main message or single one message kind of a, here it is kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, it's broader, but, you know, I know you're asking for kind of a snapshot. Yeah, just something we can put, like, you know, it sounds like what I'm hearing so far is that the the letter to the Romans is kind of like maybe a longer uh, journey for the reader, but the Sermon on the Mount is kind of like the TED Talk. Yeah, and I think I think you're right about that. To answer your question more specifically, I would say Matthew 5. So Okay, that's specific. Okay, so what's so good about Matthew, that? What's so good about Matthew 5? And that 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 is the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. Or that that at least kicks you off, and you could probably go a little further if you wanted to, or just that one chapter in Matthew five would would kind of show you at least what Jesus was trying to get across. And I think it could be surprising to to some people to 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 think through what those words were saying, and not just 
skim over them and maybe they have some religious religiosity behind them like oh, i've heard of that but what do those words mean what was he actually saying what was the intent behind that message um could be could be interesting for for exactly the question you asked for the uninitiated yeah okay so matthew 5 chapter yeah matthew chapter 5 and okay maybe, maybe just that whole chapter if they can hang on yeah, I'm sure. What are we? Ta- we're not talking like it's what a few paragraphs. It's, what are we? What are we got here? Yeah, yeah, it's like half a page of like a ah. eight and a half, eleven. We've or... got we've got that in us. Everybody's got that. Everybody's got half a page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think um, I think it's been really cool to um, to touch on this aspect of your life because obviously it's um it's forming or it it, it forms a um. Uh, a lot more than maybe meets the eye for 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 the people listening or the people who are fans of you already. Um, moving forward in life, though, I mean, how like I was I was thinking as you as you were talking about the negotiation skill, um, not the negotiation skill, but the framework and how it might yeah. affect a negotiation yeah. where you want to make sure that it's not a zero sum game. You know, like I want both right. parties to end up with a a result they're happy with. Um, right. Has that does that affect competition in a sense? Like, do you think that might have crept into what may not make you so interested in chasing titles? Like, does it have that effect? Because you know, if you enter a heat in a man on man heat, and you're like, look, I really want to make sure that the other guy has a, you know, he has a good chance and, yeah. and he gets what he wants out of this. I mean, that's kind of going to end in an interesting way. Well, you know, what's interesting about it is that actually has been something that's developed personally for even that time before I came back to my my faith mm-hmm. is the idea that in a heat I don't and this is just me personally mm-hmm. I don't want to root against the other guy mm-hmm. and of course there's times where maybe he doesn't land a move and I get a little excited <laughs> But that's not like the that's not like the goal, you know? Nah. Like I'm not actually like saying under my breath, like, don't make it, don't make it, don't make it. Yeah. When I go out, even before, mm. I wanna shake somebody's hand, at least tell them good luck. Mm. And I wanna mean that. Yeah. So every time I'm just like, Good luck, like let's put on a show. That's yeah. it's it's my main one of my main reasons for even competing is that I've been blessed with some talent to ride waves and I feel that, you know, for the sport, I would like to showcase that not only because my ego gets a little puff if I win a heat, but because hopefully I can do something cool that makes bodyboarding look cool Mm. or even if it doesn't make the sport look cool, it's going to stoke out some other bodyboarders or even if it's just real personal, like I'm going to get stoked. I did something cool yeah. on my boogie. Like I, I kind of live for that. So yeah. I want like in an example, like going back to like maybe Arika mm. surfing heat against my brother and it was in the semifinals. And it's like, we just like looked at each other and we're just like, let's go, let's go put a, sh- put on a show. You know, mm. it's just that, each of us is going to try to win and it's obvious that we know the other person is going to do the same and has everybody's capable of doing something cool and winning that man on man heat. Yeah. But at the same time, like 
in in many heats I've had with tons of guys, you know, like, hey, if they got the better wave, did the better stuff, and they got to move on and go show more of their stuff. And I want, like, I do want, let's put it this way, to get back to your question, mm. this, I know it's kind of going on rabbit trails, so but get back no, to your question. That's great, though. It's great. I want to win a heat when the other person surfed really good. So, yeah. Let's say I have a heat with Jared, current current world champ. You know, I'm not gonna be thinking, okay, if Jared has a cramp, mm. and if he loses a fin, and maybe if something else happens, he just catches bad waves. I could beat him. Mm. And yes, that's a cool outcome. You know, <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, this guy is on the top right now. Yeah. But hey, I've 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 done some cool stuff in the past. I know I've got some cool stuff in me. Mm. Let's go put on a cool show. Hopefully we both get scoring opportunities. And that's something I, I would bring up during commentating mm. is you know, near the end of the heat, somebody needs a score, and I would I would kind of hope that both opponents would get an opportunity. So yeah. not just the underdog, oh, let's hope for one more way for red because he needs it. Mm. Let's hope for another way for both of these guys yeah. so they can to show us some more cool stuff yeah and and then whatever outcome happens you know was was probably deserved you know i think in a lot of heats that you know you don't have that good feeling about uh mm. person like when you come in you didn't make it mm. it's when you didn't have the opportunity to to show your stuff yeah and, mm. and i think that that's a lot worse or i just i don't like that feeling so much as opposed to going and surfing a really good heat and mm. getting beat. Yeah. You know, if I go out there and I like I put maybe some eights on the board and I do like a trick that I was really stoked on and maybe it's Ian or somebody who just got a couple nines. Mm. Well, good on them, you know. I did pretty good in that heat, but it's obvious they did better. So, yeah. good on them. I don't of course it's going to sting, but Man, that feeling of coming in when you didn't have an opportunity to to get a score. Yeah, I don't like that. Neither, neither. It's funny you mentioned Jerry when you like you know having a hit against the best. He's been basically my nemesis in the man on man's um, <laughs> for a while oh, yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last time uh, we met was in Eureka, and he he totally comboed me within five minutes. And uh-huh. I remember, and they weren't like, it was like some solid combos. Like, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy. And I remember he paddled back out at one point. I was like, dude, are you done? Are you, are you, are you good? <laughs> 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 and he just laughed. He was, nah, bro, nah, bro. I was like, all right. Uh. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think there's nothing better than, um, than surfing a good heat and, and, and beat, and beating someone when they surf a good heat. I don't think it's, um, much at all to celebrate when you when you surf a good heat and then the other person just kind of wasn't in the game so okay so that's well that look that's a really interesting take on that particular circumstance and um i mean moving towards um the future uh you are staring down the barrel of a um an exit of europe in winter which everybody can be pleased with um yeah, and you're you're heading back to hawaii are you yeah. are you going to be low, like what's your plan for the next say six months? Have you got anything cool happening that the listener can kind of stay tuned for? Well, the coolest and the biggest 
priority focus, you know, would be surrounding the the marriage getting to hitched. my fiance. Beautiful. Getting hitched. You know, that that's like uh it, it, it is kind of starting a new life. So Hell you know, yeah. my fiance is is gonna be moving over to Hawaii, so she's gonna be leaving her family, her country, all her friends behind. So during the next six months, not only preparing for that, but once we get married, I definitely want to do my best to make her comfortable mm. to to really work on that relationship so that we can have a successful marriage. Yeah. And I don't want to just kind of, okay, we're getting married and see ya, hon. Yeah. I'm, Surf's I'm up. Again. <laughs> um, at the same time, you know, she knows what I do for a living and she she supports me wonderfully. I'm very grateful. So I would love to, uh, you know, I'll be surfing the North Shore when I can. Mm. Um, I'd love to get out and be on the world stage, whether it's a, a contest or whether it's a, a trip to get some footage or photos. You know, I definitely would love to to do that, and that's a possibility. But yeah, yeah as far as like what I can for sure say is going to happen in the next six months, it's. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna get married and I'm gonna start on this on this new part of my life, this new chapter. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that you know that's not like a goodbye to all the things I used to like to do <laughs> at yeah. all. It's sort of bowl and shine. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's <laughs> hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on this. Yeah. And not that stop focusing on it later and get back on the world tour it's i'm gonna need to kind of readjust and kind of find wh how this new life works with my old life mm. or bodyboarding or mm. these other things and and kind of see how that moves forward you know and i've got the example of you know whether it's my brother jeff you know who's adjusting to being a new father or yeah you know, all the other bodyboarders and even friends we have who aren't bodyboarders that okay something big happens in their life hmm. they make some adjustments and then they and then they move forward with what the new life looks like and well i don't know exactly what it looks like i'm pretty sure i'm going to be bodyboarding i'm pretty sure i'm going to be trying to put out some cool content mm -hmm. to to the world and engaging in uh engaging with people whether it's at competitions promos uh, other ways to to be a part of the the sport that we obviously love so much sounds pretty awesome as a married man i can say that it's a it is a singularly fantastic moment uh yeah. your wedding day so i i on behalf of the listener wish you all the best on that day and um and i think you'll you'll love it and uh i think that everyone can from that answer at least i think everyone can be reassured that that dub isn't going to be vanishing off planet earth into uh you know uh, matrimonial uh long-term yeah. <laughs> bliss although it is blissful um but you will still be getting on the boog and uh and definitely putting on some shows for us along the way um, yeah, I, I think, uh, that is a wonderful point to end, end this, uh, this podcast episode on. And I want to thank you. Thank you very dearly for taking the time to join me for this, uh, wonderful discussion now and, um, wish you a Merry Christmas as well. How about that? 
Thank you so much. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners. And one thing I did want to say to the yeah, listeners. Please, please in go. Your, in your presence, Joshua, yep. is yep. as I have listened to the core podcasts, yeah. Um, I have learned more about my good friends who mm. you've been having on these core podcasts yeah. than I knew before. So for the listener, I uh, just wanted to mention that yeah, these get pretty deep and, you know, I'm learning something about Jerry or I'm learning something about Louie or I'm yeah. learning something about these other guys that are on this podcast, but all these guys are my really good friends. Like, so I wanted to say, continue to enjoy these core podcasts if you enjoy getting deeper mm. with Joshua Kirkman who's yeah. doing a job so thank you josh for bringing me closer to my friends oh no worries i mean it, it's funny it wasn't exactly what i thought was going to happen but i it, it has happened I, I understand what you're saying guys seem to be opening up and um it's great i feel like um i've had a lot of really positive feedback as well from listeners saying that you know they're they're learning so much and i think it's wonderful uh to hear that from you as well that even learning new things about your good friends is also um yeah that's quite an outcome that i didn't didn't um yeah anticipate for me it's probably a really selfish reason as well for me was just to get to know everyone after being out of the sport for so long you know like it's like oh here's a way that everyone will talk to me so um (laughs) but it's been wonderful and i appreciate that dave and um yeah to the listener uh we will now farewell you and and yeah wish you all a merry christmas and hope that you all uh spend it well with your loved ones uh and we look forward to more action in the water from all of us in the new year. So thanks. So there we go. That was the first episode of the La Boogie podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. A huge thank you again to Dave Hubbard for taking the time to jump on the Skype call with me. Very much appreciated. Uh, once again, just a reminder that um, that episode was um, was in a way supported by Hubboards. They wanted to do a bit of a deal out there for all of you to celebrate this first podcast episode so if you do go to the checkout on the hubboards.com website and you've got yourself a pair of those dub fins in your uh, shopping cart just enter the code leboogie l-e-b-o-o-g-i-e into uh, the promo code and you're going to get yourself a 30 percent discount on those fins so big thanks to jeff and dave for hooking all of the uh, crew up on that one um thank you for tuning in uh this is a new venture it's um really exciting to be relaunching the podcast um there's a lot of really good history associated with the Laboogie name uh hopefully i can do it proud and um thank you all for tuning in i really appreciate it and stay tuned for much much more Look, 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 look